What would you be willing to give Mr. Dark, the evil, mysterious, yet charismatic man in black who arrives in your town and promises to make your deepest dream come true? It will be too late when you find out it is only after he fulfills your dream that he will tell you the price you have to pay. This episode is all about being happy with what you have and careful what you wish for. Enjoy this edition of the Scary Spirits Podcast. Something wicked this way comes. Cheers. Welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast. Please be advised that the presenters may use adult language and or discuss adult situations. This podcast is not intended for younger listeners or those that may be easily offended. So if you're ready, let's go. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Karen. And welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast, the podcast that combines the two very different but highly compatible worlds of scary films and alcoholic spirits. What could possibly go wrong? Indeed. How are you, Karen? Doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm okay, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Karen, I believe this week's film was my choice, was it? Was it not? Yes, it was. Yes. So this week we are watching from 1983. Do you remember 1983, Karen? I do remember 1983. Good years. Wasn't that a good year? Good year year for me. Yeah. Yeah. From 1983, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Do you have a brief synopsis? Because I do not. (laughs) I do. A villainous carnival owner, Mr. Dark, preys upon unsuspecting Midwestern townsfolk by granting wishes, but for a price. Yes. Nice and brief. Nice and brief. But true. True. We also have a cocktail. That we do. It's something I call an old-fashioned October. Ooh. Would you like to know why I call it an old-fashioned October? I would. Because it's basically an old-fashioned, right? Isn't that what the bourbon drink is, is an old-fashioned? Yeah. Yeah. And then you add October or Oktoberfest beer, right? Well, the reason I chose it is because in my research, I learned that Ray Bradbury, who wrote the novel this movie is based on, and also the screenplay for the movie, he was a beer guy. I tried to find what cocktails he liked, but he didn't like cocktails. He liked Olympia beer. It's a good idea to search that. Yeah. And they don't make Olympia beer anymore. So I was like, well, what could I do? Well, I had to make a beer drink, right? A beer cocktail. Yes. Which are becoming more and more popular. And he's also loved October. He's a Halloween guy. You know, the Halloween tree, he wrote that. Mm-hmm. The October country, you know, all those. So I thought a good drink would be, you know, a beer drink with an Oktoberfest beer. Very clever. So that's what I did. So this is our first concocted drink by you that we haven't found on the internet. Well, I found a similar drink and edited it. Well, that's what you do when you come up with a new it, one. To make it my own. Yeah, and I thought about it later. I could have done something like, because he wrote dandelion wine, too. So I may have been able to come up with something with that. My mom used to make that. 
you've read it, read the books? I was looking for them and I realized I have two copies of this book. Ooh, you'll have I, to share one. I'm sure I got it at half price books. So I was probably there once I bought it and forgot I had it and was there again and bought it again. Well, after watching the movie, I think I would like to read the book. It's uh, different quite a bit, but that's not necessarily a bad thing in this case. So, you know, you have to usually say the book is better. Yeah. And it usually is. The book probably is better, but there are certain scenes, like one in particular, that I was actually looking up in the book before we started, and it's a lot different than in the book. And I like the film version better. Interesting. So anyway, Karen, would you like to know how to make this wonderful concoction of mine? Of course. Lay it on me. All right. So we're going to need one ounce of bourbon. I used to make a mark. What did you use, Karen? I used Woodford Reserve. Oh, mm, Woodford Reserve. Fancy. Yeah, that's a good one. You're going to need a teaspoon of sugar, one dash of bitters, an Oktoberfest beer. Any Oktoberfest beers. There are several makers. I used Sam Adams Oktoberfest. One strip of orange peel and one maraschino cherry optional. So basically it's real simple to make. Put the bourbon, the sugar, the bitters, and a shaker with ice, shake it up, strain it into a rocks glass. I had I put ice in my rocks glass. And then top it off with the Oktoberfest beer. Take the orange peel, rub the rim of the glass, and then add to the drink and then Plop in that maraschino cherry if you have one. From 1972. Oh, 2011. (laughs) I think rubbing the uh, rim with the orange peel really adds. I know it does. I think so too. Yeah, it really adds to the, surprisingly, you can really smell it and then taste it. I agree. Should we give our listeners, our listener. (laughs) Yeah, don't get cocky that there there might be two. (laughs) To collect the ingredients and make one. Absolutely. Hold on. And we're back. Yes, we are. All right. Any corrections? Any omissions? Well, yeah, apparently I have a big correction to make. Oh, yeah, you do, don't you? But that's from a couple episodes ago. It is. What, what no, that... it was last, last ep- oh, no, two episodes yeah. ago. Yeah, what would that be, Karen? It seems so long ago, I can't it. remember. I know, but I should still correct it. Yes. So apparently I kept saying that I had not seen any of the films until Friday the 13th. Which, yes, that's what you said. To our longtime listeners. Episode. Yes. Listener, to our longtime well, listener. To our longtime listener, they will know that that's a big fat lie. It is. <laughs> I don't know. I must have been drunk or something. How could that have been? <laughs> but I had seen many, many times, as you would know if you listened to the podcast, The Brain That Wouldn't Die. Yes. So I've actually seen two of the movies that we've done. Correct. Apologies to The Brain That Wouldn't Die. Yeah. I mean... That's just terrible of me. So anyway, I've seen two. I'm confessing to my big fat lie. Thank you, Karen. Are you ready to get into this movie? Well, do you not have any corrections? I thought I did, but I can't think of them now. Okay. We'll let you slide. 
I don't remember. The one listener and I will let you slide. Okay. Well, before we get into the movie, you want to say why you picked it? Why I picked it? Yeah. Yeah. Why did I pick this? This episode goes live on Wednesday, August 25th. Ray Bradbury's birthday was Sunday, August 22nd. So we're celebrating Ray Bradbury's birthday. And plus, I'd read the book and I wanted to watch the movie. Okay. Acceptable. You, you watched it on YouTube. Is that how you ended up doing it? I looked on Amazon Prime and could not find it. Yeah, I didn't so see I it did. either. I watched I it on YouTube and I think there's multiple copies of it on there. The one I chose was not very high res. And I looked around a little later, couldn't really find anything, but one of them that I saw was a little bit better. So I'm probably missing a few things just because it was dark and I couldn't tell what was going on. But where did you watch it? Oh, I have the DVD. Nice. So you probably had a nice clear. I did. I watched it on my computer though. So I can listen to it with headphones, you know? Yeah. And recite my notes into my phone at the same time. Multitask. Yep. You got to do what you got to do. See, you're so tech savvy. I still scribble them all out. I couldn't do it. I tried it when we first started, but. It does take a long time, time to I watch read the movie. my writing. Yeah. And I'd have to pause. <laughs> you know, yeah. if I wanted to make it legible, I'd have to pause the movie. But so are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's go. All right. The film opens with credits. Your favorite. It is my favorite. With a train coming in the background as the credits roll. I did make a note. It does say screenplay by Ray Bradbury. When did he die? When did he die? I mean, 1983 doesn't seem that long ago to me. <laughs> I realize well, it's... Yeah. It's from the novel that he wrote in 1962. But it took until 83 to get it filmed. I guess there were like lots of issues. They tried to get it put to film several times. And even this version, there were issues. I think someone else did the screenplay. And I don't know. I know there were issues, but Ray Bradbury eventually agreed to come in and save the film because it was a disaster. But he died in 2012. Oh, okay. And of course, the title is taken from a line in Act 4 of William Shakespeare's Macbeth. So film opens after the credits roll, and we are seeing Autumn in the Woods. A beautiful all, fall day. Yep, all the trees have their fall colors, panning through the woods. It is the best time of year. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. While a narrator speaks. And I didn't make a lot of notes about what the narrator had to say, except that it was October and it is a special time for boys. Yes, it is. I'd say he <laughs> talks about October <laughs> and yes. two boys running in the field go towards the pumpkin patch. And the narrator is actually one of the boys. From the story, yes. Yeah, as a grown person, right? He's reflecting back on this story that he is yeah so i think it was will is the narrator i believe you're right so we come upon the town of greentown illinois yeah he does say it's the october of my 12th year oh does he okay. yeah and he they do come up to the town where he grew up which is greentown but there's a car did you recognize yes. well no i i was going to ask you what what time period does this feel to you? 
you know cars better than I do. So a car comes driving down the road. It's like 40s, I would say. That's what I that's what I put the 40s. Right? Passes a guy who we find is the lightning rod salesman. The car does. Yes. Going into town. The yes. car is going into town, the lightning rod salesman is going into is town. Is walking into town on yeah. the road. And there is a storm a coming. The lightning rod salesman turns and see the storm clouds gathering. Yep. We get to the town and we get a little brief introduction to all the main characters in the town, correct? Yeah, we go through a stroll and get introduced to everyone. We, we meet the um, cigar salesman. Mr. Tetley. The barber. Mr. Grissetti. Okay. The bartender. Ed. Ed, yeah. Who is missing an arm and a leg, by the way. Yeah, so he goes through, he walks by, and he says, Mr. Tetley, the cigar store owner, is obsessed with money. Yes. Mr. Grissetti, the barber, when he cut his hair, always talked about faraway ladies he would never know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Ed, the barman, who is, you're right, missing an arm and a leg on the same side. Talking right? about his glory days. Right? Yep, the football hero, still haunted by a 40-yard run. And then... Miss Foley. Yeah. And just a side note, that actor who played Ed, the bartender, he actually lost his arm and leg. He was uh, riding his motorcycle with his girlfriend and was hit by a drunk driver. Oh, so that wasn't CGI kind uh -uh. of thing. That was real. No, that was real. And his actual girlfriend died in the accident. Oh, and he God, lost terrible. arm and leg. It was only out of acting a year which I thought was pretty amazing. <laughs> he had the, well, he had the accident in like 72 and 73, he returned to acting. So. Wow. And then we meet the school teacher. Yeah. Miss Foley. Is that her name? Yes. And she used to be beautiful, but the boys don't believe it. <laughs> yes. The boys are kept after school for whispering. Yes. And they're, she's making them write sentences or do schoolwork or some shit that teachers do. Yeah, and you meet Jim Nightshade. Yes, Jim Nightshade. Is, is the best friend. Of Will. Yeah, it takes boy. a while to figure out, to know Will's name, but yes. They're busted for whispering. Were you ever busted for whispering when you were in school? I don't know. I don't think Do you ever so. Have to sit? I don't think so. Talks too much. Doesn't I use time wisely. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Has problems keeping his hands to himself. Yes. Believe it or not, does not play well with others. What? Yeah, that was early. Runs with scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Has the mark of the beast upon his forehead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they might have noted that in Catholic school. So anyway, we find out that the um, boys were born on the same day. Mm -hmm. They're running from the school because they've been dismissed. They're jumping over the hedges and yeah. talking to each other. Yep. I have a note about the lightning rod salesman. Oh, yeah, he's talking to the townspeople. He has a bunch of townspeople gathered around him, and he's he's preaching about the lightning rods. Pitching his wares, yeah. Yes. Tom Fury, right? Yes, Tom Fury. Did you recognize the actor who plays the lightning rod guy? He looked familiar, but I couldn't he place him. He did to him. me, too. Who is it? I looked him up, and I think what I know him from is playing Abraham Lincoln. Really? Yes. And he actually does the voice for, you know, the... The Disney thing, you know, great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Oh, he does the voice of Abraham Lincoln for it. 
So then we meet Will's dad. Yeah, they go inside the library, and Will's dad works in the library. Yes, he's the town's librarian. His name is Charles Holloway, but I call him Jason or Jason Robards the whole time. So. No, I call him Mr. H the whole time. <laughs> and I made a note that uh, he's, a, he's an old man to have a son so young as Will, right? A 12-year-old boy. He looked pretty old. He did look very old, which makes a scene later very upsetting to me. And the boys begin talking about their fathers. Yeah, and Jim talks about how his dad's in Africa and coming home soon. And bringing lots of presents. Yeah, writes him letters and all that stuff. And Will calls him out on it and says, that's BS. Your dad yeah, they, didn't write yeah, you. Af- he ain't right. never coming back. <laughs> they, when they leave the library, each kid calls out the other's dad. Yes. Jim Nightshade says he hears music. Before that happens, you're right. Uh, Will calls out Jim and says, your dad doesn't write and is never coming back. And then Jim says to Will, well, at least my dad's not afraid of everything. And Will says he's not afraid. He's just old. Yes, he's just old. And then and Jim then, Nightshade says he hears music. Will says mm-hmm. he doesn't hear anything. And Jim says something like, why don't you ever listen to Will? Do you think that's some sort of foreshadowing that Jim is a little bit more easily influenced by hearing because he hears the music and Will doesn't hear it? So he's a little more corruptible or something yeah maybe you know that will is more morally sound or something and doesn't so he doesn't hear it yeah i think you are correct seems like it was made more clear in the book you know what i mean yeah well we find out in a few minutes that jim's dad well we just heard jim's dad's not around so he's single parent home so right not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but in a movie in the 1940s, it would have been more unusual. Yep. So the boys run home and they meet the lightning rod salesman, Tom Fury. And Tom tells Jim that his house is in need of protection. He can tell where lightning is going to strike and they need a lightning rod. Yeah. He says one of the homes has murmuring timbers. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Yeah. So he needs protection. Um, and he goes in and tells Jim to run in and ask his father. You know, but Jim doesn't say his dad in there. He just says, okay, I'll go in. So he runs in and Jim grabs money from a tin and decides to buy a lightning rod. Yeah, because the houses are right next to each other. They're neighbors, these two kids. And Will's mom calls him to dinner. And then when Jim goes in the house, his mom is upstairs petting a cat and says, find yourself something in the icebox. I'm too tired. You just see that dichotomy right away that Will has two parents. The mom has cooked a nice dinner and calls him over. And Jim is, goes in the house and his mom says, fend for yourself. And then he raids the- There's a ham in the fridge or something. Yeah. I mean, it's not that she's not providing for him, but it's a different life than Will has, you know? Yes. And Jim chooses- to take the money from a tin. It looked like candy to me. Was it Don't know. smushed, crinkled up bills yes. or something? Crinkled okay. Up bills. It looked like about $1.25 when he handed it to the guy and he took it and said, that'll be enough. Yeah. He says, how much you got? Yeah. <laughs> and he sells him and he picks the, and the, the lightning rod. It makes it a point to like talk about this um, Tom Fury guy. 
was like, he really knows when, where lightning is going to strike. Like he has some premonition. You know what I mean? He's not just doing this to Jim's house. Cause he's, he's not, it's not a scam. No. Okay. And Jim chooses the lightning rod with the scarab beetles on it, which is pretty cool. Then we cut back to the town. Mr. Holloway is in the library where he works, right? And when he leaves the library, he pats a lion on the head because there are two stone lions at the library entrance, kind of like the New York Metropolitan Library. And those those libraries are named Patience and Fortitude. But local to you, do you know the two lions at the University of Cincinnati? No. They're in the front of McMicken. And the only reason I bring them up is they're called Mick and Mac. They have names, but there's urban legends about them. Do you want to know about it? Sure. (laughs) So the UC Lions, like I said, are in front of McMicken Hall. And the tale told to incoming freshmen is that the Lions are possessed. They were originally owned by Jacob and Maria Hoffner, who donated Mick, who's on the left, and Mac, who's on the right, to UC in 1904 after their death. And students say the lions come to life when the sun sets. Students have reported hearing growls and roaring as they walk by. Some even claim that the lions' heads are in different positions as the days progress. I don't know. There's no reason given for why they're possessed or anything. It's just something they tell incoming freshmen, I guess. Okay. Interesting. So Jason or Charles or Mr. H, whatever we call him, comes upon the barber and he says that he smells ladies are coming (laughs) and are going to visit. He walks through town, basically. He passes the cigar shop owner who's fussing over numbers and he says he's going to play the numbers. Play the lottery. Yep. And he asked Mr. H if he's going to, but Mr. H says he never takes risks. He does buy a cigar and light it, and the cigar guy wants to win the hundred thousand dollars. He's gonna yes. play. I guess it's a lottery. He's yeah. gonna play. That's one point nine million dollars today. <laughs> Which our lotteries are much bigger than that. But and then so he says something about when he wins that money, he's not gonna buy the ten cent cigars anymore. Yep. He's gonna buy the cigars. That are Havana. rolled Cuban cigars. Cuban cigars that are rolled on Cuban ladies' thick thighs or something weird like that. Yes. So he, he's all primed for some ladies. And then they go to the barber, like you said, and he says he can smell women are coming. I'm like, are there no women in this town? <laughs> are all the men just horny? What's going on here? Yeah, They're I don't just know. But Mr. H shuts it all down. He says, no visitors come to yeah, town. No one comes here. Right. Nobody's coming here. So then they go, um, he goes to the bar with Ed, the bartender. And I believe he has some Jack Daniels. It looked like Jack Daniels to me. I couldn't tell. And but I guess the, the doctor is in there. Yeah, the doctor's who was, who there. Howard Sprague and Andy Griffith show. Is that the doctor? I don't know. Yeah, Howard Sprague. You don't remember Howard Sprague? From Andy Griffith show and never really watched that show. Oh, okay. I mean, I know kind of the characters, but I never really watched a lot of it. Yeah, Dr. Douglas. That's his name. But apparently Mr. H has a routine. He leaves the library, pats the lion head, 
buys a cigar, goes to the bar. Right. <laughs> and the doctor tells him he's only allowed to have one drink and one cigar because of his heart. Yeah, we establish his heart. It's not in good yeah, shape. His heart issues. But it's nice that he still gets to have a cigar and a drink every yeah. day. And they talk about Northwestern University. Yeah, I think Ed, the bartender, is probably either yeah, either he's reliving his glory days or living through the Northwestern team. Then we cut to a scene. Jim is installing the lightning rod on his roof. As he does so, a paper flyer blows up upon them. And it's Yeah, Will's up there too. Somehow Will can get out his window and get right on Jim's roof. The flyer says that there will be a carnival beginning the next day, tomorrow, which is Saturday. Next we see Charles or Mr. H or Jason Robards (laughs) in the middle of the town. And it's very windy. And we see a man in the background throwing flyers into the wind. He's wearing all black with a top hat. Yeah. And Mr. H picks up and reads about the carnival. Then he sees the casket, right? Yeah. Then he sees a woman like encased in ice. Yeah, it was hard to see. There was a woman. So I don't know if it's like x-ray vision into the casket kind of effect or what, but there's a woman wearing a red glowing ring. And then he turns to see the, the man throwing the flyers. And when he turns back, it's back to being a casket. Yeah. And I, I don't really get the part about the woman. It seemed vaguely familiar. Well, I think it has from the she's, novel. She's the sorceress. And she's yeah. wearing the ring. She's the witch. Yeah. They call her the Dust Witch is her character name in the film. Oh. In the book, they just call her the witch. But Played she by wears... the lovely Pam Greer. Oh, is that who plays it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. So then Mr. Rach goes home. He's talking to his wife. And he talks about being old and not being able to play ball with his boy, Will, and things he... like that. He does, but they show, they're all sitting around the fire. They show a nice family moment, and Mr. H says it's quite a wind out there. One of the lions blew off, and now it's prowling around town Mm -hmm. looking for juicy Christian boys, little boys to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Then the mom laughs. So they're showing a really good family dynamic. He also burns the flyer that he picked up. Yeah, he tells Will that he didn't know what it was. It was nothing. So, I don't know. He tells his wife he just feels restless. But the wife reassures him that it's okay. He doesn't need to play baseball with his son. And again, he looks about 80 in this film. You know, they're really saying he's old with a bad heart. Yeah, he was um, 61 when this movie came out. But that's not how old he is in here. No, I don't think. Do they say how old he is? They kind of do. We'll get there. I think they do too. Yeah. Have a guess. Next scene, clock striking midnight. And Mr. H is going back to his library. And we see the lightning rod salesman walking along. And he sees the same woman in ice with the red ring. He sees the witch mm-hmm. that Mr. H did earlier. But he walks into the room where this witch is. Yeah, her ring glows and the doors open. And he so walks he walks in. in. And the woman opens her eyes and the doors close. And her eyes are like kind of turned green. Yeah, she winks at him, I think. Does she? 
That's what it looked like. I think she just opens them. Oh. Then we cut from that scene to the train. Train a coming. The train is a coming. The boys believe it's the carnival coming. They're yelling from the window, right? Yeah. They're yelling at each other from each other's bedroom windows. And they go to investigate. They walk through a graveyard in the woods and climb up on a little hill where the tracks are so they can watch the train go by. One and of the they, t- see, they see it's empty, right? It looks empty. Yeah. One of the train cars says, um, Dark's Temple of Temptation. Yes, it does. <laughs> and the statues in the cemetery seem to illuminate or something as the train passes. Yeah, and there's a, little, a really loud noise. Because yeah. the boys look down and cover their ears. So then the boys run on the tracks and follow the train to its destination. When they get there, they find the carnival is already set up. Lightning strikes, and Will wonders how could it have been put up so quickly. The boys decide to go check things out. Uh, so they come upon one of the train cars. I think it's a train car. And the door is open. It's kind of like a a gypsy. Fortune telling place. Fortune telling place, which look a little like train cars. Yeah. Almost like a a wagon. The boys go in. We see a woman in a black veil. I don't think they see her. Mm -mm. She's like off in the shadows. And it's Pam Greer again, the witch. And Will says, don't go inside. But of course, Jim does. So then Will follows him in. Will's a follower. Jim's the leader here. (laughs) A tarantula crawls on them and they run away well he they open a box did they? And they yeah and they let the tarantula out okay and they scream and run away then we cut to a scene of the woman petting the spider mm-hmm. next we see mr h leaving the library and he notices the melted ice in the ring from the lady on the floor wherever this was is that what that was i couldn't <laughs> figure that out i think it was supposed to be melted ice in the ring Okay. I did see, it looked like glass shards or something, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Right. So Mr. H arrives at home to find his son waiting for him on the stairs. At 3 a.m. Yeah. He says, I thought I heard a train, but couldn't be in October. That's what Mr. H says. I think that Will says, couldn't be a carnival, not in October. Right. Mm-hmm. Then Mr. H makes a note that it's 3 a.m. The soul's midnight. I guess Will asks why is it called that. Mr. H says it's when a lot of people die, apparently. Old people. (laughs) Yeah, they talk about old people. And we cut to the next day. Well, wait. Mr. H tries to talk with Will about the incident of the picnic and the fright he had at Indigo River. But Will stops him and says they should go to bed. So something's looming in their background that we need to find out about. Yeah. So actually, same day, just later in the morning when the sun is up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did write next day too, but you're right. It's the same day. The boys run to the carnival. Dark's pandemonium carnival. And one of them says, it's nothing but an ordinary carnival. And the other one says, it can't be. It can't be. Well, it's not. Whoever says it can't be is right. So then we see Ed, the bartender. What's it called where they ring the bell? I don't know. They ring the bell. <laughs> they swing the hammer and ring swing the bell. Swing the hammer and ring the bell. There's, there's a name for it, I'm sure. And he wins a free pass to the maze of mirrors. Because he did ring the bell. He did. Did you say that? He didn't, No, I didn't say he rung it. But yeah, he slams the hammer down. 
And he rings the bell. Remember, he's missing an arm and a leg. Yes. So it's it's a feat for him to do that. But yes. He wins a free pass to the maze of mirrors. He enters, and in his reflection, he sees himself with an arm and a leg. Fully armed, fully legged. Right. Yeah. He doesn't just see an arm and a leg. <laughs> but he does see them attached to him. So he's yes. complete in his biological form. <laughs> Next, we see the teacher. What was her name? Polly? Miss Foley. Yeah, Miss Foley comes walking out and she sees the boys. And She's looking a little dazed. She looks a little disoriented, I wrote. Mm-hmm. She says she must get home. And Jim says, it must be a shock with all those mirrors, especially if you have a face like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> ah, to be a teacher, you know, to give your life devotion to helping youngsters and you know they're saying shit like that (laughs) yeah so then we cut to a scene of the barber getting his palm read in the gypsy hut or whatever the hell it is yeah with the fortune teller is what i said i didn't realize yet that all these were the same woman yeah all the witch yeah she says you have lived here a long time without the scent of ladies skin she says call them he's getting all hot and sweaty Something's missing from his life. And she says, ladies. Ladies. Next, we see the cigar salesman at the roulette wheel. He wins $1,000. With number two. Number two. And his prize is a Cuban cigar. Rolled on the plump thighs of Cuban beauties. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who we learn is Mr. Cougar says the exact same thing that the cigar salesman said earlier. Mm-hmm. And he also gets a free pass to the maze of mirrors. I thought he got a pass to the Ferris wheel. Did he? I think maybe he, does. he Maybe he did, because that's what he does. He gets on the yeah. Ferris wheel. So he gets think... on the Ferris wheel and there, with a woman who, who was sitting there who just happens to be the witch, Pam Greer, again. Yeah, I didn't know. I just saw the red glowing ring on her finger. Yes. And he keeps saying, it's his lucky day. He won $1,000, got a Cuban cigar, and now he's going to ride the Ferris wheel with a beautiful woman. It's his so, lucky day. It is a pretty lucky day. Until it's not. Yes. Next, we see a tent of exotic dancers. Men lining up to get into the tent of exotic dancers. Yeah, there's a long line. Jim finds a little hole in the tent and peers through it and watches. It's it's a convenient, perfectly shaped round hole, just at the level for kids. And we see the barber in there. And all of these exotic dancers are around him, dancing around him. He is very happy. He is shirtless. I don't know if he's completely nude, though. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. They're called exotic dancers. They're basically belly dancers. Yes. Right? That's the kind of music that's playing. And they've got the ring symbols. And they're kind of made up like belly dancers. And he looks painted, too. But I couldn't tell. Um, But he's in the middle of a circle of the beautiful exotic dancers. And he looks very happy. He sees a little person. He tells him. They're too young and to come back in 10 years. And that's the same little person who was in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. He was, he was part of Master Blaster. But anyway, next we see the Ferris wheel stop. And the woman is there, but the cigar salesman is not. Yeah, he just disappeared. But his cigar is there. His cigar is sitting there and he gone. And who ne- picks it up and smokes it? Is that Mr. Mr. Cougar? Cougar? Okay. Yeah. Next, the boys sneak under a tent to the carousel where they are grabbed by Mr. Cougar. Yeah, they're looking at all the horses, as you would if you were a kid. 
Yeah, and they're on it, they're on top of the horses. They get on him and are sitting they, on them. on their favorites, and they and get busted. Mister Cougar grabs them from behind, picks them both up, takes them off the yeah carousel. in one fell swoop. He must be a very tall man. Yeah, and Mister Dark appears, who we learn is Mister Dark, and tells the boys the carousel is out of order, and he shows Jim the tattoo on his arm that moves. In the novel, they call him the Illustrated Man. Oh, really? Yes. They call him Mr. Dark, the Illustrated Man. That was a, that's another name for him in the novel. So he's not called Mr. Dark or he's called both? He's called both. He, he actually introduces himself to um, Mr. H later as Mr. Dark, also known as the Illustrated Man. That's how he announces himself. Yeah, the tattoos move. Yes. On his arm. And Mr. Dark gives the boys a ticket for a free ride on the carousel. He tells them to come back later. So the boys leave the tent, and Jim says, I'll bet something goes on after sundown around here. We need to stay and see. And they do. They and hide. They, do. they hide under a wagon until sundown, and they come out, and they go back to the tent of the carousel, where they see Mr. Cougar riding it, but it is going backwards. Very quickly. Really going backwards. And each time Mr. Cougar passes, he appears younger. I could ride that for a little bit. He goes around until okay. he is a little boy. Yep. About six, five or six. Mr. Dark then picks up Mr. Cougar and tells him, it is late. Time for you to go about your work. The boys follow Mr. Cougar into town. A sign on the barbershop says, closed due to illness. They see the school teacher through the window of her home with a boy and they it's a silhouette it's, yeah, yeah it's a silhouette yeah and they assume it's mr cougar and it is well will wants to like go up there and warn her but not jim what's he want to do he just wants to meet the kid yeah so they ring the bell school teacher comes out and says oh let me introduce you to my young nephew robert because the kids say they just want to check on her because when she came out of the hall of mirrors she looked dazed and the kids were asking her if she was okay. Yep. So now they're using this as a ploy to get in and see Mr. Cougar as a young kid. Cause she's so impressed that they're concerned for her that she invites them in to meet the nephew. Yes. And Will wants to warn the teacher about Robert. And Jim shakes but his Jim hand. Says, no, don't. Uh, yeah, no, Jim no. just shakes his hand. <laughs> so the boys leave. Mr. Cougar comes out and picks up a rock and throws it through the school teacher's window and he runs away. That kid can do a good menacing look for a child. And the school teacher thinks that Will threw the rock through the window. I know, immediately thinks it's Will. They deny it and run home. Get back to Jim's house and Jim's mom has a man over. She's dancing. Dancing with a man. And she tells Jim, oh, supper's over. We've already eaten. <laughs> but I'll make you something. And then Mr. H and Will revisit their discussion about what happened to Will in the river, the rapids, whatever. In the Indigo River when they were on a picnic. Yes. When Will was about four years old, he almost drowned. And Mr. H didn't know how to swim because he says his father didn't think boys needed to learn to swim. Yeah, so he's just standing on the side bank as the current takes Will down the river. And a man who was getting drunk on the other side of the river jumps in and saves Will. 
It turns out that is that was Jim's father. Yeah, Harry, Harry Nightshade. And he tells Will that Harry Nightshade did your father's work before he left. And then he says the profound, it's not what you've done that you regret in life. It's what you haven't done or you didn't do. Correct. So that's pretty profound. It is. Then Will invites his father to climb up the trestle with him because that's how he gets up to his room. That's how he sneaks out every night and how he sneaks over to Will's. Well, they, I think they just jump from roof to roof or there's a tree in the middle or something that they Yeah, I think on. it's a tree. Will can climb over and get on Jim's roof. But uh, Mr. H says no, that he wants to finish his cigar and lock up. And then we see Jim's mom tucking him in to bed. Mm-hmm. And she asks, why do boys always keep their windows open? Warm blood. Jim says warm blood. <laughs> and then Jim asks if he looks like his dad. And she, the mom says, when Jim leaves home, her Harry will be dead forever. I thought that was pretty heavy for her to say in front of the kid. Yeah. Jim goes to sleep. Next, we see the school teacher in her home staring at a mirror. And her reflection turns into a young woman. I guess it's her as a young woman. Yeah. And she says, yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. She keeps repeating that. And then she becomes the young woman. But apparently it, she's blind now. Yeah, that's the price. She can't see anything. Can't see herself. <laughs> can't see her reflection in the mirror. So is that vanity that she got busted for? I guess. One of the kids said that she was, was very beautiful. Somebody, one of the adults told him that she was very beautiful and when she was younger, but he couldn't see it. <laughs> and she crawls on the floor and... She asks Mr. Cougar to help her. There's a boy who is Mr. Cougar, and he just smiles. Yep. I'm telling you, creepy acting for that kid. So Will wakes up and finds Jim climbing down from his window. He's ditching him. Yep, ditching him. You're ditching me. Mm-hmm. Will grabs his clothes, throws some clothes on, and chases him down. Jim said he's going back to the carnival, and he's going to get on the merry-go-round. He wants to see if he will get older if he gets on it and it goes around the correct way. So next we cut to a scene where we see Mr. Dark and he has Tom Fury, the lightning rod salesman, tied in a chair with some electrical. I think it's like an electric chair. Yeah, it's like an electric chair. And he is questioning him about when the lightning will come. And then we see the barber and the cigar salesman. They are now a part of the carnival. I think the barber is the bearded lady. Oh, that makes sense. It says Mademoiselle something on his, there's a sign on him he's wearing. And the cigar salesman is a cigar Indian, cigar shop Indian, right? Yeah. Mr. Dark does mention that he's having trouble with the two boys. And I think he sends the witch to take care of it. He does. And while Mr. Fury's because in- Yeah, because Mr. Dark electrocutes Tom Fury to try to tell him when the lightning will come. And Will yells, stop. Then Mr. Dark sees them, and they run away. And as they're running away, they they see a guillotine, and it chops Will's head off, but (laughs) like a mannequin that looks like Will. Will sees his own head in the the basket. And that's when Mr. Dark tells the witch that the boys have seen too much and that she is to get them and bring them to him. The boys run through the woods in the cemetery back to their homes, and a green fog follows them. 
But they don't see it. We see it. Yes. Yeah. They get home and Will gets scolded by his mother. She blames that bad Jim Nightshade. <laughs> he was a bad influence. All his fault. How many times did you do that when you were a kid? Do what? Blame your behavior on those I damn... <laughs> I won't say it. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. Yes, I know. But you know, <laughs> when you're an only child and shit happens, it's hard to blame someone else. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't grow up doing that. So you, it's not your automatic response. Correct. So Will gets sent to his room. Will's dad goes up to his room. Fo and they, they have and a, a talk fog about, surrounds the house. Yes, the green yeah. fog. Yeah. Will and his dad have a talk about devils. Yeah, Will believes in devils, but he thinks devils can't hurt you if you're a good person. But Correct. he wonders aloud if he is a good person. Yes. And what does dad say? I don't know. What did he say? I wouldn't count on your mother's answer yes. right now. <laughs> this was, yes, that's but true. I think you're a good person. <laughs> yeah. And then Will tells his father to be careful that there is something going on. So the green fog illuminates the lightning rod on Jim's house. The boys open their windows to see what's going on. I guess it's windy and stuff too. Yeah. And Will goes from his roof to Jim's and then jumps in the window of Jim's room. So they're both in Jim's room now. Which is the coolest setup if you were a kid. If yeah. you could really do that, that would be awesome. The ceiling in Jim's room begins to crack and peel. And there are tarantulas everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Jim tries to swat at them with his pillow. Will climbs in Jim's bed and like pulls the covers up to his head or whatever. To his chin. Yeah. Yeah. Then he rips back the sheets and the the bed's covered with tarantulas. They're all in the bed with Jim. With Will, right? Jim's yeah, still with, pounding. Correct. Yeah, Will's in the bed and Jim's pounding them with, I couldn't see with what? Pillow. Oh, His well, pillow. okay. Lightning strikes the lightning rod and both boys wake up screaming in their own beds. Yes. So apparently it was all a dream or some shit. Next morning, Sunday morning. Everybody's singing how, hymns in church. Yeah, that's how we know it's Sunday morning. <laughs> and Mr. Dark leads a parade through the town. Will tells Jim that Mr. Dark is looking for them and that he will kill their parents. Yeah, he says the parade is all so they can search for them, for yeah. Will and Jim. And so they can't go home because they'll follow us and kill our folks. Mm -hmm. So, And Mr. Dark is looking around. Yeah, he's looking know? for them. Yeah. They're right. So Will phones his father, says, they're after us. And his father says, come home. And Will says he can't. And so he they hide. The yeah. yeah. And they hide under like a um, sidewalk drain. Yeah. Is it like a sewer drain or a. Yeah. Under the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a grate. Grate. Yeah. There's, and it's a pretty substantial grate, a flat grate right above them. Correct. And they see two child sized coffins being pulled in the parade they think those coffins are meant for them well so do i yes and then we see the barber and the cigar salesman marching in the parade as well and as the teacher the, as yeah. their new characters and the teacher being led by mr cougar and the lightning rod salesman is in it too in the still in the electric chair yes they're yeah. carrying them and the boys see a small person give jim's mother a ticket and whisper something in her ear yeah, at first I thought that was on purpose because Mr. Dark is standing right above them. They can see he's right above the grate. And I thought they did that on purpose, but I don't think Mr. Dark knew they were there. 
You didn't. Next, we see um, Howard Sprague or Dr. The, Douglas. The doctor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the bar or at the door to the bar with Mr. H. And he says, the bar is empty. Ed must have taken off. And they say, oh, he wouldn't do that. Yeah, it's highly unusual for Ed not to be in the bar. Yes. So the boys are still under the sidewalk and a dog is above them barking at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, he dropped its bit, his biscuit, right? Yeah. 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 So Jim picks up the biscuit or dog treat or whatever it is and holds it back up to the dog and it takes it and runs away. So back at the bar, Mr. Dark enters. And tells well, they see all the, all the money is still in the yes. Mr. cash so register. Yeah. Mr. H and the doctor are in there and they're looking around and all the money's there and everything's still there. So it's odd. Correct. And Mr. Dark enters and tells them that the boys have won an award when he would like to find them. The two lucky lads won. Yes. Looking for them. Next, Mr. Dark catches up with Mr. H at the cigar stand. Of course, the cigar salesman's not there. It says, there's a sign on that one too. It says something. And Mr. Dark shows Mr. H tattoos of Will and Jim on his hands. On his palms. Yeah, on yeah. the palms of his hands. Yee. And asked, you know, who they are, where they are. Where he asked where they are. And, and if he knows them. Yeah. And Mr. H says, Yeah, I know him. And he tells them fake names. But Mr. Dark says, I already know their names. He got the names from the blind teacher. And Mr. Dark asks Mr. H who he is, and he tells him. And Mr. Dark says, oh, the town's librarian. Living other men's lives, dreaming other men's dreams. What a waste. Yeah, and the whole time he's doing that, he's squeezing his, his hand. hands. So like his fingernails or something into his palms because his hands start bleeding. And blood drips on Will's cheek because they're underneath yeah. him as it's right, going on. because they're standing right underneath him. And then Mr. H says... Sometimes a man can learn more from another man's dreams than he can his own. Come visit me if you wish to improve your education. And Mr. Dark says, I will, and I may improve yours. <laughs> so then Mr. Dark walks away and a funeral dirge plays as the parade continues. And yeah, Mr. He... Dark and Mr. H have a stare down. Yep. <laughs> That's what my mom always said, Our when we sing happy birthday to each other, it sounds like a funeral dirge. <laughs> but yeah, they have a staring contest. Mr. Dark is basically threatening Mr. H by moving from a parade to a funeral procession. And then Mr. H sees Ed as a young boy, the bartender Ed, mm -hmm. right? And of course, he has two arms and two legs. He's holding I mean, a football. Yeah, yes. he's young. And he throws it to Mr. H and Mr. H throws it back. And what's they look at each other like knowing, knowing that who each, what's going on. You know what I mean? But where he's a small boy. Where's he going to go now? Live know. on the streets? I mean. He's part of the carnival now. I guess. I guess you're right. Everybody who gets their wish is part of the carnival. Yeah. So then Mr. H pretends to accidentally drop his cigar. He kneels down to pick it up from the grate and tells the boys to come to the library tonight. That's a pretty cool dad because if your kid came to you and was trying, trying to explain all this weird stuff that was happening, you would just think they were either over imaginative or 
having an adverse reaction to medication or something. This guy believes these kids, you know, yeah. he, he reaches his hand down and will touches his hand through the grate. They have a moment there Yes, and Will's crying. So that night at the library, Mr. H reads from the diary of his father. First, he tells the kids he believes them. Yes. And then he does pull out the book that is his father's diary. And his father apparently was the town minister. Will's dad's dad. Yeah, Will's grandfather. Yeah. yeah. He starts reading. This is uh, October 1891. It says, we have had no good fortune since the arrival of the autumn carnival. It seems they destroy people by granting their dearest wishes. And the carnival people said they were, would return and had many times. Yeah, they the call it the way of the devil. Yeah, the old people in the town remember them coming before. And each time the carnival did come, it ended with a tremendous storm. Oh, yeah. So I think that's why Mr. Dark is questioning Tom Fury about when the lightning's coming. Because he only has that limited time. Yep. So it's like the storm follows them. Yep. So then there was a knock on the door of the library. Which I thought was very polite. To give warning that he's coming. He the door is open. The, the boys run and hide. The door closes. We never see I, anybody. But wait, I just want to say at this very moment, I love old libraries. <laughs> that is a cool looking is. place. That is a place that I could hang out for hours and hours. And this, this part of the film is the part I referenced earlier that is better. It's better than in the book. So you don't see anything. But Mr. H says, by the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. And then we see Mr. Dark. And does he recite the next line? I am not sure. I don't know. I was going to ask you the same thing, but I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> I mean, it is from Macbeth and Macbeth. I think the witches are talking. I don't to think him. it is because I know the next line has something to do. I know a little bit about Macbeth. The something wicked they are referring to is Macbeth. I think they say that. In the next line or something. Maybe they just quote back and forth because Mr. H brings up Christmas or something, right? Yeah. Hold on. Okay, the pricking refers to a twitching or tingling sensation in the second witch's thumbs. She can sense danger in her body. The wicked something is Macbeth knocking at the door. Right. As the next line indicates. It says, open locks to whoever knocks. Is that what he says? I don't think it is. Oh, then there's another line after that, too. And they do all rhyme when they're saying them back and forth. All right, here it is. Says, he just says, my name is Dark. So he doesn't actually say the line from Macbeth? Um, nope. He just walks in and says, my name is Dark, better known as the Illustrated Man. Where are the boys? And instead of the um, father's diary, it's a Bible in the book. It's not in the book at all. So I say, I think this scene is much better in the film than it is in the novel. I don't think it's the next line either. I think they're exchanging quotes from different places. Okay. Yeah, so Mr. Dark calls for Will and Jim. He offers them free rides on the merry-go-round. He asks Jim how, how he would like to be grown up. 
with all the grown-up benefits. That's right. And he tells Jim that he is the father Jim has been waiting for. That's when Mr. H says, I know who you are. You're the autumn people. You come from the dust and go to the grave. I like that title, the autumn people. Yes. thought that was pretty cool. And Mr. Dark tells Mr. H that if he tells him where the boys are hiding, he can make him young again. Yeah, he tells him his heart is old. And this is the scene that got me a little riled up. <laughs> he says, I can make you 30. Then he rips a page out of the diary. He says, too late, 31. He keeps when, yeah, it's, it's cool because when he rips them, they catch fire and disintegrate. And if he would just say where the boys were, whatever number he lands on is what he could be. Right. So he's going in order and ripping the pages. What's he ripping up though? Is it the diary? It's the diary. Okay. Yep. So he goes 31, 32, 30, and 35. And yep. then Will screams, dad, don't listen. Right. But then yeah. here's the part that gets me. Okay. He goes all the way up to 52 and he mm -hmm. rips out the page and then he goes, no more pages. So is this guy supposed to be 53? I think he's 55 for some reason. Okay, but think about that for a skinny second. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. You don't got to tell me. <laughs> like, what? So his kid's 13 and he's 55. His kid's 12. Okay, 12. Yeah. You know how, my, how old my kid is? <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit, what? <laughs> I took this a little personally. Yeah, I can see that. Because I'm looking at him thinking he looks 80 some years old and he's younger than I am. <laughs> well, in real life, he's not though. He is actually 61, but I think the not character to give away he's my playing, age, but yeah, I think the character he's playing is 55 for some reason. I don't know why. What and I, I have a son approximately the same age. So it made me a little taken aback. Yeah. But proceed. I'll get over yeah. it. Then Mr. Dark throws the book at Mr. H and says he's going to give him a taste of death so he will know how it feels when it comes soon. Yeah, when it comes again and then he says soon. He grabs his hand and kind of crushes his hand. Yeah, that's a very well acted scene, I thought. Yeah, that's was... my favorite scene in the movie. And like I said, it's, there's a similar scene in the novel, but it's not as good as that one which I'm okay saying because they were both written by Ray Bradbury. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Mr. Dark offers to make Jim old so he can be the co-owner of the carnival. Dark and nightshades, pandemonium carnival. It does have a nice ring to it. This is <laughs> after he finds the kids. Not yet. No, I thought he said that later. No, he's, he's still trying to find them at this point. Oh, he's Okay. And he tells Will that his mother rode the carousel backwards and forwards and went quite mad. And he's looking, he's like, I wonder where you would be filed. Right. right? So then he climbs up the bookshelf. Which was really creepy. And he grabs the boys from behind, and brings them down. And he's carrying them away. And as he does, Will sees his mother out the window at the church. Yeah, so he knows he Mr. Knows his Black's mom's fine. Yeah. And Mr. Black's a liar. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Dark, sorry. Mr. Dark, yeah. And Mr. Dark says, oh, I must have made a mistake. It must have been Jim's mother. Mr. Dark has the witch, Pam Greer, take their, he says, take their tongues. 
or something like that. She appears, she approaches, she is their new mother, yes. he tells them. He says, time to quiet these chatterers, lose their tongues until he can find them again. Tells them the whisperers tongues. too. Yeah. yeah, whisperers, yeah. So now they can't speak. Um, Mr. Dark tells the witch to give Jason a brief taste of death so that he may recognize it again when it comes, which is did, a repeat of the yeah. other line. Didn't he already do that? He did. There was something Still weird another about that. cool, it's a cool scene though. It again. is because she yeah. slows down his heart. Yes. It's so. very difficult to watch without blood or gore. It's very psychological, I think. It's a good scene, but I don't know why they repeated it. Yeah, but both of either. them are good. Next, we see Jim's mother heading to the carnival, and we see um, Mr. Dark and the boys again. And he's going on about dark and nightshade, nightshade and dark, about how they're going to be partners. They're going to ride him forward to make him an adult and ride Will backwards till he's a baby. Till he's a baby. Till he can be a plaything for that little person. Mm hmm. <laughs> Who again is Master Blaster from Mad Max. And the storm is coming. Yes. So Mr. H comes to and runs through the woods in the cemetery to get to the carnival. When he gets there, he finds Jim's mother waiting at the entrance to the carnival, for she thinks her husband is coming. Jason takes the ticket and tells her to go home, that her husband isn't coming. And she listens. But she says, which, they said, but they said. Yeah, but but they she said. does. she does leave. So Mr. H walks into the maze of mirrors. And there's froggy's fog everywhere. <laughs> there is. And Mr. Dark begins showing him the mirrors of all the townspeople. I didn't make a note of what each one meant or what they were, but he shows Mr. H his mirror. And it takes him back to when yeah. Will was drowning in the rapids. His is a mirror of regret. Yes. He couldn't do anything about it. And he says, you're a failure as a father and, and as a man. Will is in there at the same time searching for him. With his voice. Yes. So I guess he got his tongue back. I guess. I'm not sure how he got away from Mr. Dark, but whatever. Small details. And then Will says, I love you to his father. Well, Mr. Dark is tormenting Mr. H. You're a failure. Your son hates you. Yes. You've lost him forever. He's mine now. Yeah. Correct. And then Will screams. I, I love you. you. So then Mr. H smashes his hand through the mirror and grabs uh, grabs him out of the river yeah it's very symbolic so in the mirror he sees the scene that yes. he most regrets and when he smashes the window he grabs his son and pulls him out of the river in this whole thing he just pulls him through the mirror but it looks like he's reaching in to pull him out of the river and then they embrace tender moment yes then there's a lightning storm. The lightning rod salesman runs into the maze of mirrors with his lightning rod, and he stabs the witch with the lightning rod. Because lightning strikes the rod he has. Yeah. I don't know how he's still holding it, but he is, <laughs> and he runs and stabs the witch, and she's gone. Yep, she's gone, and glass so, flies everywhere. Why is the lightning rod salesman so resistant does he precede them to the town that they're going to and then help get rid of them? He's oh, pretty no. he's pretty resistant to their charms, you know. He they're torturing him to get information out of him. And then he does kill the witch. So is he 
I don't know. And I don't I think don't... I don't think that the book is the same, but okay. I don't know. I'm not sure that he plays such a big role in the book. Because he seems almost like a protector. The way I remember it. It's been a few years since I read it. So then see Jim and Mr. Dark at the carousel. Yeah, Mr. Dark claims Jim as his son and partner. Yes. And Will yells, Jim, don't ditch me. <laughs> so both Jim and Mr. Dark are on the carousel as it's spinning. And Mr. H runs and grabs Jim from the carousel and pulls him off. Then lightning strikes Mr. Dark. And the carousel. And the right? carousel, right. Lightning yeah. strikes as Mr. Dark is on the carousel. And we see Mr. Dark on the carousel spinning and growing older. Because um, he can't get off. He's being electrocuted, so he can't jump off or anything. Right. And then Mr. H and Will are worried about Jim. You know, is he dead? Is he dead? And Mr. H tells Will the only thing that can defeat them is happiness. So he kind of like starts jumping around and dancing and acting like a crane or something. The bird, you know, being happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jim wakes up and we continue to see Mr. Dark spinning around on the carousel and growing old. And the horses on the carousel seem to be sucking the life from him. Yeah, it was very dark. They become real. They're real. Yeah. And then we see Mr. Dark. A skeleton rolls off the carousel as it stops. And a little person comes and picks him up. Carries him off. So the storm destroys the carnival. It becomes a tornado. I mean, it's like winds blowing the tents over, right? Yeah, it's just tearing it to pieces. Yeah. And then everything starts to ascend. Yes, it becomes a tornado and sucks the carnival up into the sky. Will Mr. H and Jim run back to town as the sun is coming up, laughing. There was a cool shot. I don't know if you noticed it with the tornado and the Will's dad, Will and Jim are watching. The, and they're all in silhouette. Yes. That was pretty cool looking. They're watching it. All, I don't know. They're awfully close to a tornado, but yeah. it's all going up in the air. But it's going up. Yeah. yeah, it's going away. And so then they're racing back to town and they're racing to the barber pole. Right? And the first one that touches it, touches it and it turns on. So then we have the narrator again basically says that dad was okay with being old after that. He knew, Shut up. <laughs> he knew that he had made a memory that will last as long as sons tell sons about fathers they love. There you go. The end. Yeah. And it is the end. And now you need to tell me what happened to all the people, <laughs> you know, the school teacher, the barber, the cigar salesman, do they get sucked up into the tornado or they don't guess. do they come back to normal? I don't know. I guess they made their deal. Right. I guess they got sucked up then. What's the last page say? Cause they're missing the school teacher, the bar owner, the cigar salesman and the barber. Right. Yep. Then as the moon watched the three of them together left the wilderness behind and walked into the town. So there you go. The boys take off and Mr. Rach starts to, and he hesitates. He feels a vague pain in his chest. Oh, well. Then he asked, is death important? Nah, screw it. So he, so he runs after him. <laughs> That's it. He wrote the screenplay, original one, in 1958. And Ray it took Bradbury until, did? Yeah, and it took until 83 until it was actually done. Wow. Like financing never came. You know what I mean? I guess it was originally written as a screenplay, it says. And then he published it as a novel in 62. So it was originally a screenplay. Huh. That's weird. Or different. 
then they revisited it in 73 and they had a director and with a script and then by 76 it had changed to a different director and you know just kept changing production companies and directors and so on and so forth so i think uh disney originally did it and they screened it you know what i mean for a test audience and it bombed so they called ray bradbury and he came in and like reworked it and saved it yeah you know, disney spent an additional five million on refilming re-editing and rescoring the picture wow after they brought bradbury back in and bradbury said it's it's not a great film but a decently nice one and that's how he <laughs> i liked it. it i thought yeah. it was good yeah you should read the book it's more of a you know i, I kind of compare it to like Stand by B, my Stephen King. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a coming of age kind of boys kind of story. You know what I mean? Well, it has definite morals in it. Yeah. You know. Anything you were pleasantly surprised by, Karen? Well, when I was watching it, I will say I think it's one of the best cast films. People were perfect in their roles in this film. I mean, whoever the casting director was nailed it. I don't think there was one person that I thought wasn't believable in their role. I thought the they were, I just thought they were really good. Mr. Dark was menacing, but handsome, but yeah, I you know, remember like, being darker. Like, you know how you read a novel and you picture right. the characters in my head, he was darker than even. You mean scarier? Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't yeah. so clean cut. Clean cut. As yeah. He was portrayed in the film, I guess. But I think part of that is, it lets you believe that I, th people, I was thinking of like a more a carny kind of, you know what I mean? I guess But people aren't going to hand over their dreams to some, they have to be charismatic for you to believe that they're going to give you what you want. You know, if it's someone who you, doesn't look trustworthy, you wouldn't do that. You have to have some charisma to get people to do that. I just thought everyone, the moms, the, the older dad, the witch, was perfect perfectly cast yeah it was good they were all good good actors good cast and i think the kids were good actors a lot of times you get kids in and they're just not that good yeah but i don't think the, i don't them. think they did i don't think either one of them did anything after this though sometimes kids can kind of ruin films because they're just not good they're stiff and i think in the credits it said and introducing and it, i think it was the boys they just seemed very natural very comfortable in their roles. And you believe the chemistry between the parents and the kids. I mean, really impressed with the cast and the acting in it. Anything you were well, disappointed I'm only, in? I'm only disappointed and I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Are they punished forever? Did they die in the tornado? Do they have to live as those ruined beings forever? How does that work? Does, are they part of the next carnival? Because the train cars were empty when it came to this town. Mm -hmm. So do they die? What happens to them? That's all I want to know. Yeah, don't know. I mean, how much of a risk was that to become young again and beautiful? Right. Yeah, there are some unanswered questions. How did Will get away from Mr. Dark? Right, and get his tongue back. Yeah, there are a few Which, plot holes. You know, but I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. It did make me think, I mean, what would he pull you in with? What would Mr. Dark get you on the Ferris wheel or in the Hall of Mirrors or 
you need to have major regrets or desires or. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you don't know until Mr. Dark comes to town <laughs> and tells you because <laughs> he can see what you want. He sees your pain and your desires and he tells you, I guess you wouldn't know until it happens. So how many cocktails we give in this film? How many cocktails does it take you to? Well, wait, you didn't tell me it? what you were pleasantly surprised by. I just agreed with you. Oh, you're going a hundred percent in with me. <laughs> yeah. I said we're pleasantly surprised by. You said the scenes were some of the scenes were better in the movie yeah, than the book. Yes, they so are. that's good. Yeah. That that whole library scene in the film is better than the book. Of course, the book, you know, it does go into go to greater detail on all the other cast of characters in the carnival. And you know what I mean? You learn yeah. a little bit about all of them. Like there's one named Guillotine, you know, who's not in the film at all. Maybe he may be one of the people in the parade, but you don't know. Well, yeah. is that why there was the head in the basket? Because that seemed rather random to me. Yeah, scary, know. but random. And like I said, I don't, I didn't picture Mister Dark as smooth. And when I pictured him as I was reading the novel, he seemed a little more brazen, and you know what I mean. Who would Rough. you cast? Can you think? Um, or is that too much pressure? Um, I did picture him with, uh, you know, dark hair, beard, mustache, the whole thing, but not. Maybe not so groomed. Trimmed, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's hard to do on the spot. I was just curious if you could think of someone. I just thought he was perfect. Menacing, but charismatic. You believed he could hurt you, but you also believed he could help you, you know, get you what you wanted. Yeah. Disappointments? For me? Yeah. Well, there are, like you said, there there are a couple plot holes, but other than that. I think they could make another one because I think the tornado could, you know, me in the sequel, <laughs> they could, they could come into another well, town. There, There is, there's a note about a remake. I don't know if you could put Mr. Dark on the carousel and run him backwards from dead, you know. Apparently in 2014, Disney announced they were going to make a, do a remake of it with... Somebody writing the script, Seth Graham Smith. And he did say that he wanted to focus mostly on the source material of the book. Hmm. So, but, you know, you know how that goes. I think if there's one thing I would take, I would take that carousel. <laughs> I would like to be younger in a way where, say, my knee doesn't hurt or, you know, but I don't want to go back and repeat anything. Like, I don't want to do that. But, no. you know, no. that's what I'm saying. Like, but if my heart was bad and I could get on there and be younger, my heart could be young. I don't have a bad heart, but you know what I'm saying? Like if something was majorly wrong and you could go back, but I don't want to relive anything unless yeah. you have free choice to go back and not have to redo your same trajectory, you know? Right. But, you know, careful what you wish for, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I you guess may, you got to wait. You know, Things may end up be end up worse, than what, you know. Yeah, could they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they could. No, I know. I'm just kidding. You know, it's just an, it does get you thinking that there are a lot of consequences. It seems like an easy decision. Would you like to be younger? Sure, but oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe yeah, not. I don't want to go through high school again. 
<laughs> you were the cool kid in high school. You didn't have to suffer like the nerds, like we did. Whatever. There are, it's just, it's an interesting movie to think about. Like I said, what would you get on the carousel for, go in the house of mirrors for? I don't know. And I can't, can't think, think of anything. anything. I yeah. can't either. But Mr. Dark would find something. And then <laughs> what are the consequences of it? You know? Yep. I mean, if you had to stay with the carnival, that wouldn't be very fun. So think it, it through, people. Think it through. Mr. Dark shows up in your town. Don't give in right away. He's handsome, but he's not on your side. Correct. So how many Ding. cocktails? I'd give it a two. Okay. I really, really did enjoy it. I thought it was well acted, well done. I mean, yeah, there were some plot holes. And it's probably a little bit more. When aren't there? <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it is more of a children's movie, I think. But is it? Well, I guess it. I mean, kind of. It is, could so. be, but adults can enjoy it also. I've seen some terrible kids' movies. Sat through them. You know, <laughs> this one adults can enjoy at the same time. I think. I'm not so sure it's a kids' movie, but. Well, it's a Disney film. So. Most Disney films are for children. Is it a PG? I was just looking at that. Hang on. It is a PG. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I think it would be scary. Disney classifies it as a classic drama family live action. See? <laughs> That's how they describe it. Family. PG. Yeah. I'm not saying young kids, but I mean, they're 12-year-old kids in it. Yeah. So you got to figure it's about that age. So what about our cocktail or my cocktail? My concoction. Well, I need to preface it by saying I don't like beer. I know, but so, you can't even taste the beer. Oh, I can. Especially now that I'm down at the bottom, I get all the sugar too. All the it's, sugar. <laughs> That's orange, like people so telling me that I whiskey, you can't taste. Whiskey, orange, and sugar. Yeah. When people say, you don't even taste the coffee in it. Yes. Yes, you can. So all I taste is beer. But I think it's good. I think a lot of people will like it. If you like beer, I think you'll like it very much. I think if you like bourbon, you would like it because that's all I tasted was bourbon. These lap sips are very good, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sugary bourbon. Sugary orange bourbon. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> yes. Can't go wrong with that. Nope. Anything we learned today, Karen? Well, probably a bunch of stuff you'll cut out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. I might. About, the, about the lions. About the lions. I didn't drop as much knowledge today. Sorry, I'm off my game. I just uh, thought it was kind of cool because lions are always in front of, well, not always. A lot of lions are often in front of libraries. Yeah, all I had was the guy who played the lightning rod salesman, played Abraham Lincoln. That's all I got. <laughs> and did the voice for that Disney animatronic show. Well, how much is $100,000 in today's money? What'd you say? 1.9 1. 1. million. 1. So it was made in 83. Well, what were you basing on? What were you basing that on? What do you mean basing it on? What year was this? What year did he win the $1,000? Oh, I, I put 1940. Okay. Yeah, because that's what was my guess from the car that I saw. And I'm not a car person, but I'm guessing it was 40s. All right. Next movie, Karen? Next movie is my choice. It is. And it's going to be The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. Woohoo. And why, 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 Karen, did you choose the Lost Boys? Because the Lost Boys is cool. 
It's also the week of Joel Schumacher's birthday who directed it. Yeah, that too. But it's cool. That's my heyday right around then. So the fashion, the hair, the I'm guessing there's going to be mullets everywhere. Right? That's the way I remember it. Leather. <laughs> Rock and roll, baby. Do you have a drink? I do have a drink. All right. What am I going to need? Well, first, you want to know what it's called? Yeah. Holy water. And there are multiple holy water recipes, but this one has ingredients that we have. Okay. You're going to need vodka, triple mm -hmm. sec, light rum, grenadine syrup, and tonic water. But those are pretty common things. I don't think most people have those in the bar. Yep. I went a little rogue. I was looking up vampire stuff and I thought, you know, I'm going to try this angle. Because there's a lot of holy water in that movie. Okay, cool. you have anyone you need to thank, Karen? Uh, no, I don't think so. We do once again need to thank the band Verse 13 for letting us use their music in the podcast. Their info is linked in the notes. Thanks, Verse 13. <laughs> you're awesome anything else Karen please drink responsibly yes another podcast has come to an end if you can't get enough of us follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scary Spirits Podcast if you have questions or comments email us at scaryspiritspodcast at gmail.com check out the website at scaryspirits.com you can find us on YouTube at Scary Spirits Podcast and if you feel like being our walking billboard, we have a link to our merch store right on our website. And if you're looking for the recipes for our themed drinks, you'll find all of them in the recipe den on our website. And remember, if you really want to help us out, leave us a five-star review. As always, thanks so much for listening. Listening.